You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And Wayne, of course, the big news today is inflation in the United States of America. And I've been making the outlandish predictions that perhaps it's maybe due to, to, to peak. And I thought it may have peaked last month, but I think there's a lag. And it certainly hasn't peaked because in the month of June, 9.1% year on year, as opposed to the 8.6% during the month of May. These are big numbers, Wayne. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, Lindsay, they actually are frighteningly large numbers. Mm. But of course, the the antidote uh, the antidote for 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 high inflation is actually high, high inflation, inflation itself. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So, so you know, if if we just look at that, and I mean, it, it is obviously lagging. I mean, and 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 I get that uh, that you know that. Um, the inflation numbers are, are reported with, with hindsight essentially. Yes. So if we go and if we go and look at oil, you know it's below a hundred at, at at the moment. Yep. So if we look at look at oil now, um, let me just I've just got my computer out here. Sorry to be taking a little bit. Not at all. I'll just I'll, I'll just help you along while you're doing that. Brent crude yeah, oil no, is ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, we go. Ninety nine fourteen, yeah. which is down a third of yeah. a percent, but massive fall over okay. the last month. So, or so. now. So now when you're looking at June now, okay, when you're looking at June inflation, oil was $122 a barrel, and comparing it to June last year, it was 65 Right. So that's your month-on-month increase. Now when the next month comes, you're comparing 65 to 99 So the year-on-year percentage change, although it will still be very positive, will fall. Now, in February, March next year, if oil stays more or less where it is, your year-on-year percentage change will drop. So the reported month, the year-on-year percentage change is 100%. This next month, the year-on-year percentage change will be 70%. In February next year, the year-on-year percentage change in oil will be zero. Yeah. You know, so that's a... That's a massive difference. And you take the other inflationary, you take the other inflationary uh, input food. Now, this is um, measuring an index, not any particular, uh, uh, not wheat or or anything. Mm -hmm. A year ago, a year ago, it was 130. Last month, it was 170. So that's about a 30% increase. Now, when they measure the next month, it's only a 10% increase, and in February, March next year, the year-on-year percentage increase will be zero. So in other words, as long as the current prices stay and not go up dramatically, because they all look as though they're peaked and falling, eh? oil, any commodity you want to food, it all looks as though they're peaked in March, April, May, and that they are falling now. So... In February next year, food and oil, as long as the prices don't go up anymore, will either be zero or if they continue falling, will be negative. Now, the economy is going into recession, more than likely in the U.S., so wage wage inflation will disappear. So sometime in February, March, April next year, U.S. inflation 
will be significantly lower. It will be closer to 3% and not 9%. Because that's just simply how the cycle actually works. Yes, inflation... Unless oil goes to 180, Mm. and unless the food index goes up another 40%, the year-on-year percentage change will be either zero or negative. Now, if you look at, in particular, food, because food is heavily cyclical, um, and we've spoken about this many times, you can get a very, very quick response from the agricultural uh, sector. So when we look at previous spikes in the oil price, 97, in 1997, within two years, the price of food has halved. It actually halved in two years. This is all in dollars now. In 2008, the price of food, this is now index value, went from 160 to 90. So that's another peak at halved. In 2011, it went from 160 in Three years later, it was 100. So it also almost halved. So food has the potential not just to show a zero year-on-year percentage increase. It's actually got the ability within a year or two to physically half. In other words, minus 50% year-on-year food inflation. So by, by the middle of next year, we are going to have significantly lower inflation. I agree with you entirely, especially as the recession kicks in, uh, which yes. is, is probably already a, a, upon us. Uh, the other thing yes, that the, probably the, is, yeah. The, the other thing is, though, Wayne, that the the, the the prices, if you if you go back, the prices are still high. It's just inflation is the rate of of rise of prices. It, yes. It's as simple as that. But it doesn't mean to say suddenly you're doing better than you were a year ago or six months ago. No, You've still no. got it's these very very high worse. prices. Yeah. You haven't got any worse. Now, food can actually fall, as we've said, and as I've just looked at the graph and explained to it. Right. Oil, I mean, who actually knows? Oil. I'm just calling it up here again. Who actually knows with with, with oil? Hmm. But, you know, he has, a history, he has a history of oil now going back many, many years. And this is in nominal dollars. You know, so it's no... It's no um, inflation adjustment for oil prices. From the early 80s through to 2003, oil ranged between $10 and $35. Then we got the China phenomenon, you know, where demand just physically went up because of high Chinese growth. And ever since, you know, 2006, 2007, oil has averaged between, these are now monthly closing prices, so there have been spikes higher than that in the interim, but oil has averaged between, call it $50 and $140. So that to me seems to be the new trading range. And every time it hits 120, 130, 140, literally within a year, the next stop is 50. So I think the next stop of an oil in a year or 18 months is $50 a barrel, not 250. So then we'll have negative, heavily negative uh, food and oil inflation, heavily negative by the middle of next year. And, um, then, and then inflation concerns, then the big discussion would be, well, the economy is in a recession, inflation is falling, interest rates must fall, and they will.
Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll come back to their old levels, maybe not go negative again, but they'll certainly come back to manageable levels. I'm just looking at that same sort of graph as yours, yeah. Wayne. I'm no, looking at the negative, the, negative, the, yeah. the uh, inflation numbers, the zero, the years of zero inflation are behind us. But inflation in two and three percent in the major uh, uh, first world countries and inflation in South Africa between three and five percent is quite feasible. Um, in May 2003, the oil price was, um, let's call it $24 a barrel. It then went shooting up, Wayne. I mean, it, yeah. it literally rocketed up to um, $139.50, and that was uh, June yeah. 2008. So in five years, from 25 or 24 to 140, yeah. let's call it, and back then it down. And a new level, you know, and then a back new down. level. In March 2020, because of the pandemic, and it came yeah, down to below 25 again, 30. and now... Yeah it's, yeah, it's all over yeah. the place. This is not yeah. a quiet but, commodity. But you must remember that if an oil actually goes, if oil ever goes below 50 or $45, it is guaranteed to go above that in very short order because the big oil producers cannot sustain such a low price. And even if it's not OPEC physically cutting production, there will be an automatic cutting of production because they'll just close the wells and the operations and the fracking things that don't make money below 50. Hmm. So the break even for the producers is 50. And I know Saudi Arabia can probably produce at $8 a barrel, but they need $50 a barrel to keep the country running. You know, so the, so anything below 50 is unsustainable. And it seems anything above 100 is unsustainable over time. Yeah, it's a volatile commodity. In other words, if you're a really patient investor, all you, have to do, all you have to do is open an, an oil fund and say, when it's here, yeah. I can sit Sell here for top, two, three years. Exactly right. And as long as you're patient, there are rich rewards. You'll pay off, yeah. Um, uh, just on the… Just in, to, fact, an, in fact, that's, that, that's a very good investment lesson for everyone. You can look at long-term trends, price earnings ratio, forward price earnings ratio, um, dividend yields… Uh, inflation rates, interest rates, and you can you can you can identify quite easily the excesses either on the upside or the downside. They don't happen often, by the way. You know, they happen once every three years, once every five years. And if you identify those excesses, and they're very easy to identify, and you act on them, you will be an incredibly successful investor. Now that sounds easy, and it is easy, but unfortunately, human nature interferes. Because when the price of oil shoots up, you get um, reports like that report that came out two or three weeks ago that oil's going to 240, you know. So somehow, even though historically it shows you that either on the upside or the downside that you are at an extreme, the prevailing sentiment is either so positive in favor of that commodity or that particular asset or so negative against that particular asset that all you hear is, okay, I know it's at 10-year lows or 10-year highs, but it's either going to go lower or go higher because that's the prevailing environment. And that's why people make mistakes in investments. So if you take, I suppose, maybe maybe oil or maybe copper mm. is, the, is the best one to use. You know, in the last 20 years, every time it's gone below 30, it has rocketed up to 130. And every time it's got to 130, the next stop has been 50. Iron ore is another one, of course. Uh, Iron ore is even better. 
Yeah. And I'm also a classic one, yeah. Exactly. Okay, Wayne, I just want to give another analogy when it comes to your inflation story. Let's say that you knew somebody, Wayne, that you occasionally speak to on a podcast who was 100 kilos. Yeah, he's a big chap. But, I mean, big yeah. because he's tall. He's 1.94 yeah. metres tall. Six foot five. Let's say if you sit, if let's say that you knew someone like that, and that person went yeah. from because of his um, because of his laziness, uh, he went from one hundred to one hundred and ten kilos in a relatively short period of time. His not CPI, it would be would it body weight. Uh, his, his BWI, his body BMI. weight index, would be up ten percent year on year. But then he has body to keep on, index. yeah, body. Well, I, I'm going to call it BWI because uh, not not yeah. the, not the mass. I'm, I'm the, this this chap's not very clever, so he uses BWI. He's right, yeah. yeah. So he he has to then carry on eating more and more and more and drinking more, more and more and more in order to go above 110. If he stays is 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 a certain level of calorific consumption, then he's going to stay yeah, at 110. They'll stay there, yeah. Yeah, and if he actually so he gets... So year-on-year mass gain mm. will be zero. And if he gets off his ass and actually does uh, he eats less and does more exercise, then he's going to come back down to it 100 and maybe yeah. even more. So it's the same It's the same principle. You have to keep on feeding this beast, literally in this case. Yes, yes. And these excesses are are unsustainable. I mean, if you just use the the absolute classic... The, the market valuation and use the simplest valuation you can uh, on the share market and mm. you just go straight to a price earnings ratio and it's historic and I know it's not forward looking and all of these good things and you plot it yes. every time it gets above 30 the market sees its bum mm. if I'm talking about the US now in particular and every time it goes below 15, you should buy your ass off. Okay. You know, because in, and so, so uh, let's just have a quick look here. So in the middle of last year, it was at 40. You should have sold. And now it's at 19. Maybe it's not a buy quite yet, but 16 is not too far from 19. So it's heading for a buy again. Exactly. So that that's why I think we've had most of the correction in the market, it's happened. But, of course, the market on that inflation number are falling and collapsing around our ears. Yeah. I think if you've, you've taught us, uh, or rather our discussion uh, led by you, has taught us a very great investment lesson here. If you take all the world's asset classes, the liquid ones, and the, the ones that have these these um, cyclical trends, cyclicality, and you say, okay, I'm a long-term investor. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm gonna sit back, and when it goes below this level, I'm gonna buy. When it goes above this level, I'm going. I'm going to sell. So you've got so, a hedge. You've got a hedge fund uh, capability here. In other words, you can go short or you can go long, and you choose out of the dozens and dozens of asset classes and securities that obey this cyclicality rule, and you just sit back and you buy and you sell, and, and you just ultimately buy everything. Yeah. Everything. You know, ninety-eight percent of what you see in investments is cyclical. Mm. There are incredibly few structural adjustments, and on a on 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 our time horizon as an investor, and our time horizon as an investor, and I'm looking at it in the perspective of what should you change in your portfolio time horizon, not this thirty-year, forty-year time horizon. So our time horizons as an investor 
is three to five years. Because if something doesn't work out after three or five years, you just got it wrong. Yeah. So that's the that's the reality timeline, if you like to call it that, of an of an investor. So if you use the U.S. government bond as an example, every time that thing falls below one point five percent, you should sell everyone you own. You should sell every government bond you own. And every time it rises above 3% where it is now, you should go in boots and all. Yeah, it's not difficult, but you, 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 maybe you don't put oil in because the, the nature of the oil market is is that it, it is in 100 years' time going to be a fringe energy source. Nothing, uh, yeah, it'll yeah. be nothing, yeah. Exactly, so you've got to but choose something that's going to be enduring. 100 years isn't our time horizon. So no. when you look at oil now, and we all know the fossils and the electric vehicles and all of that, but world oil consumption grows at, is it 3 million barrels a day? Uh, 3 million barrels a year. Right. No, sorry, sorry. 3 million barrels a day on a yearly basis. Okay. That number might drop to two in the next five years because electric vehicles – there's, I mean, simple statistics. Motor vehicles, there's, a, there's, there's 1,3 billion internal combustion engines in the world today, mostly motor vehicles. Mostly owned by you. New ve- yeah, most, not, not, not all owned by me. No. <laughs> but new car sales every year is 100 million. Electric vehicles are 4 million of that 100 million. So even if in three years' time every single car sold is an electric vehicle, it's still going to take you 10 years after that to replace all of the internal combustion engines. And right now, electric vehicles are 4% of the 100 million sold each year. You know, so in, in our effective time horizon of three to five years, as we spoke about earlier on, there will be no discernible change in oil consumption. You know, in, in five years' time, eight years' time, oil consumption and usage will plummet. And as you said, not even in 100 years' time, in 20 years' time, oil will be a relatively fringe source of, of, of energy. Yeah, it'll be… Um, so, in other words, no matter what you think about structural change in EV, you should actually almost ignore it in the three- to five-year time horizon. It's not applicable. Same as coal. You can't… You, you you can't find an alternate source of energy for, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I would say coal and oil probably still, coal, oil, gas probably still powers 60% of the world's electricity needs. You cannot find an alternative for that in three to five years. You can in 20 years, but not, it, it's, it's impossible to do it in three to five years. So also, Oil gas prices on a three to five year view, you can you can almost ignore what the long term output is going to be when it comes to making an investment decision. I was um, bicycling through the Zeeland uh, countryside, which is a region in the south of the Netherlands today, Wayne. Mm. And there's these huge, huge uh, wind farms everywhere. 
But there's been no wind for yeah. two days. They're just sitting there idling. Nothing. Well, not even idling. There's absolutely nothing going on. And so with uh, different climatic conditions, and incidentally, it's 33 degrees here and 100% humidity. I mean, it's cold in Johannesburg. Well, I'd rather have the cold than what I've got here. I don't sleep at the moment. Uh, but um, it, it's, yeah, you're quite right. Fossil fuels still have a big part to play in our lifetimes, uh, Wayne. You must be licking your lips. Let's go on to investments now. You must be licking your lips because at one stage the JSC was down around about 3%. It's only down around about 2% at the moment, and that's because the S&P 500, the futures market, which is the one I look at, is only down a third of a percent, and it was down 2% yes. in the hour or so after the, um, the, the inflation data. Uh, it seems to me that someone said, okay, that's it. That's, that, that's the worst of it. I wonder if yes. it is. It's, I wonder if it's one of those reversal moments, and everyone will say, that was the day. <laughs> easily be the peak yes mm. easily because i mean we've just looked at the numbers the oil price food prices have all rolled over and you're still just seeing the aftermath of the very very low base effects in the year ago now i think that that's right because i mean our market's down two and a half percent but i've just looked at the nasdaq and everything that's you know they're basically unchanged yeah. they're going up Exactly. They're, they're, they're going to probably end, end the day up. And if you're a technical analyst... Look, you never know. In, nah. in a bear market, you don't know where the market's <laughs> going to well, tonight's close is going to be terribly, terribly important to me because uh, I know yes. what happens. Uh, all those people that were selling, selling, selling and suddenly are stranded because people are buying, buying, buying and then have to buy themselves. And that usually defines a bottom. It doesn't mean there's going to be a V-shaped recovery, but it defines a bottom. Wayne, um, we've got a few minutes left. Um, have you got any food stories? Because I'm, I'm lost when yes, it comes to I've food a, at the moment. I've got, I've got a very nice general food story thank you off you go man i had such fun last saturday night even though it was freezing cold i went to a place in rosebank yes that was was well, was a covered courtyard it had a canvas roof on it yes and on the one side was a restaurant on the other side was a coffee bar and on the other side was a, a clothing fashion shop and obviously the three owners and they were all quite trendy the, the three owners of these of of the pizza shop, in fact, and uh, the, the uh, club together and covered up the patio, the forecourt between their buildings, and either opened it up for a function or people could eat there, or if they did a fashion show launch, they used this area. So now, one of my favourite musicians, a chap called. Art Matthews, who used to play for Just Ginger. Oh, yes, I remember him. Yes, yes. Fantastic, yes. fantastic. And obviously they have just about died in the, in, the, in the lockdown and the restrictions and everything. So he's doing a – he did a couple of concerts up here in Johannesburg, and I went to this one in that venue on Saturday night. Fairly small, maybe seat 80 people, but it was so nice. He sat in comfortable chairs. It wasn't like a, a theatre production, you know, or a – a stage production. It was a, a, an eating restaurant where you sat there with a little table and you could order a bottle of wine and he played music and it was just fantastic. And once the place had sort of filled up and got going, it wasn't so cold, but I ordered from this pizza place and I can give you the name if you want it. Yes, please. I ordered, a, it's called, uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit naughty. It's called fork as in knife and fork. 
And then, so they've got a picture of a fork with IT next to it. Fork it, okay. I understand. Fork yeah. it, okay. Okay, you got me. Yeah, I And I ordered a, a grilled churrusio and chili pizza. And they piled the chili on, and they gave you a separate little bowl mm. with cheese and all that other stuff on it, obviously. Mm -hmm. They gave you a little bowl with chopped chopped chilies and a little bit of, uh, suppose... I don't know, oil, you know, whatever. And I put that, uh, I put more chili on and I ate it. And then they brought out this bottle of mango chili made by someone oh. in Limpopo province. Oh, my goodness. And I put some of that on. And Lindsay, it was delicious. I think that's the most chili I've ever had, most concentrated dose of chili that I've ever eaten. But as I've mentioned many times now, it was cold. It's very, and, very and good for you, chilies. Chilies are very, very good yeah, we for actually, you, Wayne. But, we uh, actually ate the, ate the pizza before the concert started when we were cold, and we just kept piling on the chili. So maybe the answer, the food answer for cold, high-felt evenings is just… More chili. And this, and this pizza was delicious, but maybe the answer is just add more chili. I used to work for John Robbie when he was on 702. I was the business broadcaster on the, the John Robbie show in the morning. And he used to say, you know, he would he would say something like, I was out last night and I went for a curry with my wife. And now it's <laughs> handstands in the shower, he would say. So it was yes, one. Yeah, 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 I know. I didn't want to go down that. No, no, I didn't want to go. But I, I mean, people, you must use their imaginations, Wayne. in the shower mm. and toilet paper in the fridge. No, 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 you mustn't. No, no, toilet paper is too to close to the. Um, but seeing as though you went down that route. But yeah. Obviously, yes, but it's it, it's yeah. terribly, terribly good for you. The capsicum is very, very good for you, Wayne. Okay. Yeah. But um, there's only one negative to chili, okay. is that the more and more you add to it, the more and more you get used to it. So you've got to keep on adding more and more to oh. taste it. That's very true, like everything. Once you've had a couple of beers, then you want yes. more beers, but it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Wayne, um as as always, I leave you with a with a, with a slight sort of drool on the side of my mouth because I'm starting to get hungry and I want something chilified now. I actually want a big bowl yeah, of no, chili. I must admit, it, it, no, it was just too delicious. But this, I'm not a big mango fan. I, I, I don't like the texture. I don't like the the strings, the hair. I, I, well, you're I, buying I the wrong like mangoes. It. But anyway, that's a, that's an aside. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's beside the point. But this mango chili concoction from some person mm. in Limpopo, mm. if you can find that, well, Mapopo is in Pumalanga now, but yeah. is it in Pumalanga now? What's it? No, it's Limpopo. Of course, it's Limpopo. Northern it's province, Limpopo, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Is it? The old yard. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting. It is Limpopo. Mm. So it's probably someone up in up in Polokwane somewhere. But it was truly delicious. And just just very very briefly, you said earlier on. There's about 80 people there. There's this tarpaulin, uh, which has been all this uh, tent that's been put over these three establishments, mm. and they've obviously got a good relationship, and so they collaborate together. And you said it was trendy. Did you feel a little bit out of yeah, place? Yeah. Did you feel a of little bit? Of course, yes. But, but of course, yeah, I, I am distinctly not trendy. <laughs> you know, I do my shopping at Macro. I buy all my clothes and my shoes and everything at Macro. No. And now and again, I'll splash out and buy maybe a jersey or a shirt from Woolworths. That's you, you splashing know, out, own, is it? I own, I, I own one truly branded shirt, one. What's it called? And that's a 
Gantt shirt oh, yeah. because my daughter-in-law used to work for AVI and Gantt was one of her fashion brands under her umbrella. So you got a discount. me a shirt on special. Now, she bought it for me on special for my birthday. Even if I could get a discount via her, I still wouldn't ever buy one. Yeah, you Unfortunately, see. she bought me the shirt many years ago and then she changed jobs. And it is the shirt, the one negative thing about Gantt shirts, which I found out, is the see, name. If they hang in your cupboard for five years, they shrink. Uh, I didn't know that. Well, and, 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 no, Wayne, all I can say is... It's not me getting larger, it's the shirt getting smaller. Well, there's a little bit of both, I think. But, uh, Wayne, I think, what, what again, <laughs> another lesson uh, is if you're going to be a good fan, fund manager, be a cheapskate. And you clearly are a cheapskate. Yes. Yeah. No, I am a cheap. When it comes to fashion, I'm a complete cheapskate. Yeah. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.